Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. All right, Chris, how you doing? Hey, Corey, I'm doing great. I'm excited to chat today. Yeah, I know. It's um, I think now we're kind of getting the groove of things of like uh, our weekly scheduled recording. And um, it's funny now, like my brain is kind of getting used to like the weekly now, like, okay, I need to write the notes and what are we going to talk about and, and prepare and stuff. But um, this was the first week that it felt like, oh, I'm really stoked to like, here's like a whole bunch of things I want to talk about and I have a whole bunch of notes and I wonder how Chris is doing on this thing. So <laughs> it'll be fun. Yeah, no, that's great. And I believe last week was the first week we kind of shared on Twitter that we're doing this podcast and that's right. You know, just want to say thank you to everyone that just, we got a ton of nice comments and a lot of support. And I, I was personally pretty surprised by that. So that was, yeah, that felt really good. That was really cool to see. Yeah. It was, um, uh, it was great timing, perfect timing. Uh, we were sort of planning on launching a little bit later, but then, uh, managed to get everything into iTunes and, and, uh, and they actually got back to us pretty timely as well. I've submitted a podcast before and it took like a week. Um, I think they only mm. took two business days to get back to us. And so we're live, baby. Thank you to everyone who, who <laughs> listens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool, man. And I love that people like the name Default Alive. That was... Yeah, uh, yeah. That was, that was a good win. <laughs> yeah, because we had gone over quite a few names, so... Lots of names, like lots of debating, like, well, what does it mean? And like, what's like the real like <laughs> angle here? And so hopefully uh, most people are kind of getting it and uh, it makes sense. Yeah. And you just completed your first official week of uh, full-time independence. I did. And um, I think we switched spots because the week before for me, it was like pretty chill. And last week for you, it was like really nuts with like support and you know we were talking about kind of the queue and how you've just been spending all of your time and that was last week for me was like Mm. uh pretty much the minute after we stopped recording it was kind of just like a hair on fire week for me and um meeting up with people i mean it was it was great because i think like announcing uh me going full-time and the podcast just kind of spurred like literally I think like a hundred DMS tons and tons of emails and comments. So I had to catch up on all that. And then like meetings too, people being like, Hey, let's catch up, which is amazing too. But like also takes a lot of time. Um, just emails back and forth, consulting leads. Um, so I didn't really like one, I was like just kind of all over the place and, uh, felt really crazy and it didn't really feel like good. It just felt like, all right, I'm just trying to like tread water here and like stay, stay alive. Um, and it wasn't until like Friday that I really got to the things that I wanted to, which was my like big thing on my list from after recording was, okay, switch swipe files to annual only. And that didn't happen until Friday night. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's any indicator of how my week went. It was, uh, it was a little bit crazy to say the least. Yeah. I mean, that's great though, to, to start your first week off like that and have so many people reaching out. That's not a bad spot to be in. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely a good problem to have. Um, and really, really supportive. It made me think too, like, it's like, wow, there's a huge amounts of, uh, amount of value in like building friendships. I don't know. It, It like, I couldn't put it any other way. My wife laughs when I call people like my Twitter friends and stuff because they're, they're not people that I know from something, you know, it's just like people that you talk to online and that you've uh, interacted with. Um, but man, like a lot of support. I mean, even like really surreal messages from people that I've looked up to and followed for years and are like, hey, you saw the news, like congrats, let me know how I'm gonna help. And I'm like, well, that's weird because I remember listening to <laughs> a podcast of you, you know, five years ago that like first inspired me too. And now you're like reaching out to me. Like that's, that's really, really trippy. So, um, yeah, couldn't be more thankful. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but all in all, I mean, it was a great week. It felt kind of, uh, kind of poopy though, to be honest. Um, and I'm not sure this is one of the things I wanted to ask you about because I'm not sure like how you think about it, but for me being, uh, an Enneagram type three kind of, 
achiever type. I think it's like the, the kind of name for it is like, it's really hard for me to be happy, like without feeling like I did something productive that, that day, if that makes sense. Like I can't go sit on the couch and watch a basketball game. If I know that there are things on my to-do list or things that I haven't made progress on that I really wanted to, like it just fills my mind and I can't focus on it. And that was like all week for me because there was like this big list of things I wanted to do. And then I eventually kind of just let go of it and, uh, and surrendered to the week and just kind of the schedule. Um, but it had me thinking like, man, is that like, okay, is that good? Uh, it also, it also had me thinking like, what, what does it mean to, you know, there's the, 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 the base camp, you know, how to run a calm company, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be crazy at work. And I was like, what's, what's the, the addition for like solo founders and creators, because this week feels very, very crazy and hopefully it's an anomaly, but like, I don't know, what are the things that I should be doing? It comes back to Paul Jarvis's company of one, two, but, uh, I had a hard time straddling like, okay, what does it mean to like run kind of a, a calm solo founder kind of life? while also like dealing with the crazy things that happen and still feeling like I'm being productive, if that makes sense. Like not, not being on the treadmill, but still doing a lot. I don't know. These are just random thoughts. Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of founders struggle with. And even, you know, especially this year with so many people moving to remote remote work, it's trying to find the balance of where does work start and end. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're, you know, in the same location all day. And I think having your own business just adds a, another level onto that where you're constantly getting hit up, uh, like you said, with emails, DMs, uh, support chat, if you have it. Uh, so yeah, I think, I don't know for, for me, especially as a, as a developer, I struggle where if I have a day where I don't write a single line of code, <laughs> it, it still feels sometimes like, oh, I wasn't productive at all. Mm. Uh, and I kind of have to look back on it and realize, okay, I had, you know, these three conversations with people that could turn into, uh, you know, whether it's like a partnership or something down the line, like that is productive, uh, even though it's not checking something off your to-do list or like you said, a- achieving something that you'd set out to do. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, I, I've had to kind of like change my mind a little bit about it a little bit and be like, okay, sometimes I'm just not going to get the things I want done, but like other things are going to get done. And those things are also important. Um, it did have me thinking a little bit about just like time management and planning and like cadence a little bit, because again, that was my first full-time week. And I, at the end of the week, I was definitely like, well, I don't want it to ever be like this again. <laughs> Even though, again, there was lots of good parts of it. It was just as an introvert, as someone who wants to do like a lot of deep work, it was just like literally all over the place. Um, and so it's had me thinking a little bit about like, well, maybe I should. And this is one of the, the, the piece of input from um, Michael Taylor actually on Twitter when I was asking like, you know, what's your kind of advice for people who are going striking out on their own. And he said to kind of like time batch your days if you can and really have like large chunks of time, maybe even like an entire day devoted to just like one type of thing. Um, and I would thought about that before actually. Uh, but having, you know, I don't know, Monday is like creating teardowns day and Tuesday is, uh, I don't know, creating guides and Wednesdays recording podcast or like, you know, something like that where it's like kind of batch it all together. And it's also had me thinking more about like email and DMS. How do I be more intentional about that? Even consuming information. Like I, I sent up for a mail brew, which I've been really happy with so far to like, instead of just like constantly skimming my email, I have like, okay, at the end of the day, I'm just going to skim through mail brew and that's going to have all the newsletters and even tweets. So that way I'm not like, I don't know, wasting a bunch of time, just flying in between things, having a bunch of tabs open and saving everything. Um, but we'll see now, now I'm like, okay, how do I create this new kind of schedule and cadence? Um, but, uh, I guess Jerry's still out. We'll, we'll see work in progress. Yeah. I've actually, I've been thinking about signing up for mail brew. Uh, they recently joined Ernest and 
seems like they have an awesome product. So yeah, and it sounds like it's been going pretty well for you. Yeah, congrats to them too. I I also completely forgot about the Ernest uh, announcement. They like bashed together this whole like big product announcement and Ernest and uh, I had been meaning to look at it before, but then I was kind of like, all right, I think I'll you know take a look at this now. It being timely for my kind of crazy week and feeling just you know information overload. Um, and I've been really impressed actually. Just as a quick comment, like they have outstanding design they've really kind of intentional um and i didn't quite get it at first from the landing page so i might have to send them a an email with some suggestions or something just maybe random thoughts but um it's really powerful like i hooked in you know uh blogs rss feeds forwarded a bunch of things from my email to mailbrew which is now like a huge time saver mm. for me like not having to feel like i'm going to miss anything or like just you know, shuffle through a bunch of different tabs in my inbox and what, and whatnot and, um, packages up really, really nice. Like it's, it's fun. It's like, a one of those things where when I first experienced it, I was like, this is actually really like enjoyable. Like I really like this. It's a, it's a good experience. That's awesome. I, I don't know if they've done any marketing around, uh, the, the social dilemma that just came out on oh, Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I watched that over the weekend and I, and all, the first thing I thought of was Mailbrew. I was like, this uh, is perfect for them because they're solving that problem in some yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know if, um, did you, you managed to watch the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, uh, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I was not impressed at all. My wife and I <laughs> turned it off after half an hour. We're like, dude, this looks like something that was, produced 15 years ago and like just managed to make it out. It was very like biased and they were just like slamming. I don't know the, the whole, like <laughs> it was very anti-marketing. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. And I can get that. I, I'm probably a little bit biased too, but like the whole thing with like the, the like triplet guy and like his brain and then they're like, <laughs> okay, sending, you know, a notification for like handle. I'm like, dude, it does not work that way at all. Like this is a, not even like close to what it's actually like anyways. Yeah. I, I mean, it was a little extreme, I think, to uh, get their point across. And I do think, I mean, we chatted about this last week, even before talking about this. You know, some people take a, a very adverse view to marketing and advertising. And uh, hmm. I think that, yes, there should be boundaries like, marketing to children. Um, but if you're actually solving a problem and you're trying to help people, marketing is not a bad thing. Advertising is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, if you have good intentions behind that. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And yeah, regardless, I mean, I think that Mailbrew is solving a lot of that. Uh, I think there's a lot of apps out there that are that are solving that as well, kind of more curation filters, uh, you know, even blockers, right? Um, but yeah, that was, that was one of my rants last week too. I think it was a little <laughs> bit about like marketing does not equal manipulation, um, right? And I really hate when those two things are conflated because even even like for the social dilemma, for example, like they were framing everything like you know there's even a whole group of people that call themselves growth hackers now who are devoted to <laughs> figuring out how to, you know, get users and exploit them. And I'm like, ah, those are some broad strokes, you know, like it really is not fair. What if you like everything needs marketing, nonprofits need mar uh, marketing, people need marketing. Like it's uh, it's a little bit dumb to just throw around these broad strokes like that. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree with some of the points that they made as far as, you know, people getting easily sucked into like the infinite feeds and always wanting yeah. to be up to date on the latest information. I mean, I've seen how addicting for me, like Twitter can be. Uh, and I don't necessarily think it's a group of people at Twitter with like nefarious intentions uh, trying to manipulate an entire population. But uh, yeah, I do think it's important to be mindful of how much time you're spending on these services and mm -hmm. uh, looking at where you can better use your time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. And actually, you know, it did have me thinking about one thing. I don't I don't necessarily know like the answer to it. 
but you know, for a lot of these companies that are more dependent on having like a large user base, you know, uh, what was his name? Tristan, he was talking about, so he was working on Google and on, I think Gmail in particular. And so, you know, he sent out the memo and was like, Hey, like, are, these are like some, kind of some concerning things. Like I could see this being kind of a, a bad behavior, like a, a dark pattern. Right. And then everyone was like, yeah, this is interesting. And then it got all the way to Larry page and he just like didn't do anything with it. And it got me thinking about how once you're a public company with, I mean, your obligation is to investors to return profits and to increase stock. And like, it's way too late for that. Um, you, you can't reverse those types of things. And like you are on this, this path of exploitation and looking for new ways to monetize and to get ads and, uh, any other way you can drive growth and show promising results. And, uh, but have me think a little bit like, well, you know, if Facebook wasn't a public company, like maybe they would actually change their tune a little bit because it would leave a better impression for their users and maybe long-term be a net positive, but they're in this short, this short-term thinking, very, uh, earnings call driven mindset. Right. So. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, again, that's another advantage of this, uh, movement that's cropping up of bootstrap businesses, indie hackers, uh, a company like mail brew, which is charging for their product. They yeah. can, uh, build according to their principles. There's not, uh, you know, they're not relying on ad dollars and, um, you know, going down that road and they're not so huge that they're, like you said, a public company where they have to answer to, to shareholders. They can make decisions that they want to make. And I think actually a perfect example of this was, uh, Michelle Hansen, who's founder of, uh, Geocodio. And, uh, we've, we've mentioned her before in the, uh, software social podcast uh she talked about how uh the uh, ice wanted to use their service mm. uh and you know it's just her and her husband running the business and they're like we don't want this organization as a customer and so even though it would be worth uh, a lot of revenue and again if they had to answer to investors or, or shareholders they might have to think twice about that but uh, it was easy for them to just say no and, uh, not accept them as a customer. So mm. yeah, you have a lot more options that way, which is, which I think is good for not only yourself as the business owner, but also, uh, perhaps the, the world in general. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like, uh, independence is really strongly correlated with aligning with the interests of the customer. Whereas, mm -hmm once you become more entrenched with, uh, investors, stock, uh, other people, stakeholders, even large, you know, enterprise customers who have a, who can sway you less independence equals less interest for the customers, uh, or for the larger customer base as a whole. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Um, but what's new with you, man? I, I've been talking for a long time. I want to hear how things are going with, with you and, and your week. Yeah. Um, like you said, last week was a lot calmer for me. Uh, you know, the week before, I don't know if maybe it was a bit of a, an anomaly, but just uh, for whatever reason, that week was very heavy on the support side. And last week was much lighter, uh, which gave me a lot of time to really focus uh, back on the product development side and working on finishing up this uh, latest product for JetBoost that'll be launching soon. Hopefully this week, uh, it's it's really been dragging on, and I, I've kind of been trying to figure out why because it's not it's not like it's this huge uh, development effort. Even though I do tend to underestimate everything, like a lot of developers. <laughs> um, but I I think part of it is I'm a little less confident in this product offering versus some of the other ones. It's mm. much more niche. Uh, even though I have had people reach out to me, ask me when it's going to be ready. Uh, you know, I, I've found that the best way to operate is to seek out the truth as fast as possible. So 
to make sure that you don't go too far down the wrong path. And I have this kind of suspicion that I've maybe been doing that a little bit um, because I haven't been putting it in front of users. I haven't been hmm. reaching out to people and, uh, and showing it to them and getting their feedback. So I've kind of realized that this this morning and uh, I need to correct that this week. So probably right after this uh, recording, I'm going to send out what I have as far as the, the UI that's built. And even though it's, you know, everything's probably 80% of the way done, uh, just to get some early feedback on it, make sure I'm on the right track and let people know that it's coming. Uh, I'll probably say at least the beta is coming this week. Uh, Cause that, that's always a good forcing function for me to, to put a hard deadline mm-hmm. on something. Like whenever I feel like something's taking too long, I just say, okay, it's coming out, you know, this day. And then I have to figure out a way to, to have it ready by then. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's a, a great forcing function. I remember, I don't think I've ever felt more motivated in my life from when I publicly kind of made like the declaration that I was going to launch mental models for marketing on December 3rd. And I think I posted it on like November 4th and I had a, literally a month, I hadn't written a single thing down. Like it was literally from scratch and, uh, the, the public deadlines, or at least, you know, when someone else on top of that too, there was a couple of people who were like, Hey, what happens if you don't meet the deadline? And I was like, um, I don't know, I'll give you a hundred bucks. And they were like, that sounds great. I was like, Oh geez, what did I just do to myself? But that was even <laughs> more motivated because I had like, you know, 300 bucks on the line too. But, um, I like that a lot. I was, I was going to kind of suggest that actually, if you didn't, that um, maybe you should try to put something in front of someone or say, hey, you can expect an email from me or you could keep it a little bit loose or a little bit vague, um, but just having that forcing function, like you said, of you can expect this or you should see something from me within this time period uh, that'll be in the back of your mind, kind of um, keeping you away from Twitter and <laughs> even away from support and into the code. Yeah, no, that, that always works and I've done uh, similar to you in the past where I reached out to a few people in like the San Diego Indie Hackers group. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to have this thing ready by this date. And if I don't, I'll give you each, you know, 50 bucks or whatever. And that's usually motivation enough. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. um, I'm curious too, because you know, you said that you're not as confident in like the product or maybe like how people are going to use it. Um, I, I wonder if that's, the nature of the product, like you said, maybe it's just a little bit like you've, you're trying to seek out the truth or maybe you've been like avoiding that a little bit and there's some like mm-hmm. kind of scary unknowns or if maybe it's just a kind of a lack of customer research and or feedback. And if that would be, you know, like I, I kind of wonder too, like if that could be part of your initial announcement, like, hey, this is coming, by the way, you know, what would you want to do with this or what would you be able to do if you could uh, X, Y, and Z, you know, however you want to kind of describe the functionality of the new booster. Um, and maybe that would also be a motivating factor of like, oh yeah, I'd never thought about, um, A, B, and C use cases and really cool. Like, uh, okay, that could, gives me some good confidence. Or if it's people aren't really sure and maybe you need to go back to the drawing board as scary as that is, but I don't know that maybe that could be a thing that gets you closer to the truth. Yeah, I totally agree. And one of the really sad parts is I have uh, several, I want to say like 20 or 30 people on this waiting list for this product mm. uh, because each of the upcoming JetBoost products I have, you know, you can put in your email and sign up to be notified as to when it's ready. And I really need to reach out to those people. Uh, I, I know that a number just sign up to get updates on all JetBoost products because they're just, you know, interested in the no code space and they want to know when new stuff's coming out. Um, but there are certainly a few on that list that actually really want to use this mm. thing. And, uh, yeah, getting it in front of them, making sure that it fits their use case, uh, is something that I definitely need to do this week. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it's enough people, right. To be able to get some good feedback, even if you mm-hmm. want to do a little survey or just an open-ended email or, you know, even just give me a heads up and, having like a question at the end of it. Um, I think that'd be a really good, uh, I, I really love the, 
I don't know what it is, but like anything with the wait list, I'm just like, man, this is so valuable. And like, there's so much you can do with it and run surveys, ask questions, hop on calls, um, early access, you know, you can figure out a lot of the marketing side of things too. But, um, I think that you should definitely take advantage of that this week. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And then the other, uh, kind of interesting experiment last week is I've started reaching out to a few people. Uh, a few Webflow freelancers, designers, to try to get some help uh, building clonable sites. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, finally, uh, attempting to hire a few folks, and uh, yeah, there's there's so many common use cases for using JetBoost with Webflow uh, that I don't have any clonables really built around that I think number one would just be a great resource for people in the Webflow community. Uh, I know like the dynamic filtering clonable that I produced, I see a lot of people take that and turn it into an actual uh, a site. So uh, reusing some of those designs and, and how the filters work. Uh, so I think number one, it, just building, you know, job board clonables and e-commerce clonables, uh, I think can be a really valuable resource for the Webflow community. And then I've also seen that be a, a fairly strong marketing channel for JetBoost. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's super exciting. I love it. I mean, it, it's so exciting to me because I feel like it's one of those rare opportunities where you get to sort of uh, increase the demand. Like you have control over increasing the demand of your own product. Like you can you can grow the market as it were of people wanting to build job boards or e-commerce stores or, you know, anything, even a lot of no code apps or site directories, content, uh, you know, blogs even. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and so not only can you kind of like grow the amount of people who could potentially be customers, but you can also make people interested more likely to be successful and getting up and running and producing something of value. Um, so that it's not a, it's not less on like their, uh, their success with Webflow and it's more on their ability to implement something and get it out the door, uh, as opposed to kind of figure out from scratch. Are you thinking of creating like, um, like would they be kind of the, like these plain templates or would they be, be like a couple of different designs, um, or style guides or how are you thinking about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get a few different designs for each uh, and then add uh, basically like a use cases section to the JetBoost website. So, mm. you know, you can come here and if you're looking to build a, a job board with Webflow, like here's these few different templates to get started with, uh, or at least to give you some ideas as to the types of things that you can do with JetBoost on top of Webflow specifically for a job board. Mm. So yeah, I've reached out to a few different designers, um, hoping to for back from a couple and hoping to be able to move forward with that and get something out there for people. How, how long do you think that'll take? Um, or what's kind of like your idea of maybe like, you know, calling it done or like having something out there and, and shipped? Yeah, I think it'll probably take, uh, my guess is probably a week or two for kind of back and forth, figuring out the details, contracts, all that stuff. And then, uh, probably two to three weeks for the actual build. Uh, so, and I'm, I'm thinking kind of, a have pitched it so far as like a hybrid where I'll have them focus on the, uh, the design of the site and, you know, with, here's the spec specifications of how the, the CMS should be set up. And I might even give them a pre-built CMS. Uh, and then I'll go through and hook up all the, the JetBoost stuff uh, mm. rather than having them spend time trying to learn it and use it. Like it's just so much faster for me to go and do it. Right. Um, but it's so, I'm so slow at, well, one, I'm just not a great designer. <laughs> and uh, so it would take me much longer to actually build out the site. So if I can yeah. find a, a good batch of uh, freelancers to help build these, like that'll be, that'll be really helpful for me. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, again, there's the marketer inside of me, but like, so any sort of like template or clonable is just, 
checks all the boxes for like the perfect marketing asset because it's shareable, it's searchable, um, it helps people get started, it builds interest, um, it's immensely valuable inherently. And so there's kind of a reciprocity factor of, okay, well, this is by JetBoost and it's integrated with JetBoost. What does JetBoost do, right? It gives you more top of funnel and more bottom of funnel. Um, so I'm really, I'm really stoked for that. Yeah. And you said something earlier, which has been by far the, uh, the best part of building JetBoost. And, uh, it's whenever someone reaches out to me and says like, Hey, because of JetBoost, I was able to build this application or this site that I always wanted to build. Uh, and you know, I couldn't do that with just Webflow. It got me 90% of the way there, but I really needed those the last few, uh, features provided by JetBoost to make my vision become reality. And to me like that is, <laughs> that's why I'm doing this. Like that's an amazing feeling. Mm. So, uh, yeah, to have more resources that people can build off of will, will be a huge benefit. I think. Yeah, that's very true. It, um, it really increases kind of the, the creativity potential, right. Of people's ability to create something really interesting, unique, um, that's a cool one. That's, that's really, that's really fun and exciting. Yeah. And I think the other way that I'm looking at this is, you know, this is kind of my first experience with, uh, hiring freelancers and uh, I think it'll be, you know, there'll be some good lessons learned. It's nice that these are like discrete projects. Um, so it's a little easier to outsource that, but my goal is to kind of use this as a trial or an experiment for, okay, how do I eventually hire someone uh, more of like what we talked about, uh, a full-time support person. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think it'll be good to have this experience under my belt before I go and try to do that. Yeah, very true. It's a very focused, um, kind of small, you know, fixed scope kind of uh, controlled experiment for this. So that's a, that's a really good point too. It's got the, the double value there. Yeah. Cool. One of the um, one of the other interesting predicaments I've been in that I wanted to get your input on was uh, consulting, because last week I had a bunch of interest in uh, coaching and kind of the consulting project, or I guess some um, like package I kind of have laid out on my on my site as far as like, and really how I came to that was like, well, this is something relatively easy for me because it's kind of packaging up all of my knowledge and expertise into one thing. And then, uh, there's a, it's a fixed scope, right? And so it's something I can spin up easily. And, uh, I know very much what's entailed in it. Um, and then I also had kind of, you know, Hey, reach out if you have anything else in mind, you know, copywriting, um, launching a new program, uh, launching a new product. Right. Um, and I had a lot of people kind of come out of the word works and were like, yeah, hey, I have this thing or I have that thing, or here's six months of consulting work if you want it. And, uh, so not only was like, well, geez, which one do I do? But like, also do I do any of them? Um, this is kind of what I'm battling now because I'm okay financially for the next few months with like zero, basically, uh, consulting would be a way to stay alive and to have some more kind of revenue coming through the door that would maybe ease some of my, I don't know, anxiety and, uh, maybe like need to feel like, you know, see the money coming through the door. But also had me thinking, well, especially like right now, so early on, like I really, really, really want to optimize my time on products and on things that are, uh, like I, one, I don't really like consulting. I mean, I would much rather be building products and working on products. Uh, but two, it had me thinking, you know, like when, if I did do consulting, when would I want to do it? And I think that I would want to do it later when I really needed to, if I needed to, it seems like, why would I spend all this time consulting if I didn't need to? And I could instead spend that time working on swipe files and get that up to a place where I didn't need to, to do consulting. Right. So, um, I'm having to, the, the tough thing about consulting though, is that I mean, someone else could do the work, right? And so it, there is kind of an inherent like deadline and or, you know, zero sum game here of like, well, these opportunities aren't just always going to be here for me. So like, should I take them while they're right here in front of me? Um, but yeah, so 
all that to say, I'm a little bit uh, like um, conflicted internally, but I think I'm leaning towards trying to spend as much of my time on swipe files and products as I can. What do you think? Yeah, I think that sounds like the right path for you. I'm definitely biased because my experience was I did do consulting first uh, and then switched to part-time consulting while building products on the side and then eventually just doing products. Uh, so kind of that more maybe traditional path uh, and that worked mm -hmm. for me. But I think I'll have to find the links so we can put in the show notes. I think Amy Hoy has written a great article on this. Uh, of course. Basically saying that. Should have known. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, taking consulting work like that, it's it's kind of like eating, uh, it's like eating dessert or, or high sugar food. Like you get those mm. calories right away. You've instantly got that energy uh, versus, you know, building products more like eating vegetables. Like it kind of pays off in the long run. Uh, you don't have as much right up front. Uh, so I think it's, it's a different call for everyone. If you're feeling good about things right now and where you're at financially, then I probably would focus more on the product side and uh, leave the, the consulting for now until you feel more pressure uh, financially that, okay, maybe it does make sense for me to do consulting for a while. Or if you just feel like it could give you more experience in a certain area. Um, hmm. For me, I did a lot of consulting with early stage startups. So uh, learning how to build products and MVPs, that was like also a side benefit of it for me. Hmm. Uh, you may not feel that way on, on the consulting gigs that you're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And also, I mean, so to be clear, I do have like one small kind of consulting client that is just, uh, could, could turn into more. I'm hoping we'll turn into a little bit more and maybe about a month from now. Um, and then I do have the kind of coaching, uh, sorry, coaching growth mentoring as well, which is, uh, you know, it's just like a flat 200 bucks a month for, uh, a few meetings a month and email and kind of Q and a and chatting back and forth, brainstorming. Um, and I've gotten quite a few interests in those two, but that's very, like, that's very low, uh, low maintenance for me. I don't need to put like a ton of thought and strategy. I mean, honestly, it, uh, I'm more worried about like the time or the, the mind commitment than I am the time commitment. Um, mm -hmm. and just feeling like my mind is elsewhere or I can't focus on swipe files or that, uh, yeah, I just, I only have so much mental capacity too. Like I'm already stressed in between all my different projects. And so like each consulting client is then like another very big, very, uh, mentally filling project. So that's good though. I mean, I think, yeah, that there's definitely some valuable lessons in there with, with consulting full time. I don't know if I want to do that if I don't have to, and maybe kind of still reap some benefits. But like you said, it's, um, I think if there were, if it was more geared towards, I don't know, launching a new product or if it was like, uh, a quarter time, like, Hey, just help me think through like, how to market my product as a solo founder. I'd be more interested in more of like a retainer kind of model, but a lot of the consulting gigs I've gotten so far are like, Hey, want to take over a hundred grand of ad spend or like, <laughs> Hey, we need help. Like, um, launching a new product in an existing company and thinking through like every aspect of a marketing strategy. Like, well, this is like a big deal. Like you're basically asking me to, do a full-time job on a consulting basis essentially. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that part is, is the challenge where you're, like you said, you're, you're splitting your mental capacity between your consulting clients and your own business. So, uh, I've found it very challenging in the past where if I was consulting on a project that required me to, uh, be writing a lot of code for them. It was then hard to go and write code for my own businesses. Mm. Um, cause you just can't spend that much time in a day doing the same task. Uh, so I think if, yeah, someone's having you ask them 
how to think through their entire business and really learn how it works and then understand their market and their audience and try to figure out their marketing strategy. It's like, yeah, then it's going to be hard for you to go and do that for your own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel, uh, just reminded me, Daniel Vasallo, um, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, hopefully, but he, uh, he talks about how he left his, um, huge 500 grand a year salary at, uh, at Amazon. And now he's working on his own products and he has like a SaaS and, uh, uh, an ebook and a course, I think maybe, but, um, he talked about kind of like the barbell strategy for like indie hacking essentially, where he was like, you could either save up for a long time like I did. And then like cold Turkey switch to products. Um, or you could start doing like, like half time. So work out something where you're only working on a job part time and then work on your business, the other part time. He said, or you could get like a really either do consulting or have like, um, kind of a no brainer, like easy job. Uh, I forget what he called. He called it, but like basically like something where you're getting paid to do something different from what you would be doing on your own, but easy enough to where <clears throat> you can kind of just do an autopilot and basically save all of your mental capacity and, you know, thinking muscle for your own work on your own business. And, uh, that's what I'm trying to optimize my consulting around. It's like something where it's not going to take up all my capacity time or mentally, but it gives me just enough to where I can work on my own stuff. Yeah. I, I ended up in kind of that situation with my last client, um, while I was building JetBoost and it was tremendously helpful. Like I was just managing a team of developers, uh, offshore developers. I wasn't writing code myself. Mm. Uh, things were in some ways more on autopilot and I was able to basically take all that extra energy and put it into, uh, building out JetBoost and growing it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll have to do some thinking. I think I know which way I'm leaning. And I'm going to have yeah. to kind of pick and choose the opportunities. But again, these are good problems to have. So I'm, I'm not complaining at all. I don't, <laughs> want, don't want to leave that impression because it's a, a very good thing. And that was one of the things we talked about a long time ago, you know, was uh, you kind of encouraged you like, hey, I think if you went on around, like you'd get some good kind of inbound interest. And um, I think I knew that, but I didn't really think about how that would actually go and what it would feel like and what it would be like. And now I'm, I'm in it. And so it's a good problem to have. Can't complain. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I went through something similar where I had done consulting on the side of full-time jobs before, but I was never able to fully commit and like put myself out there like, Hey, I'm available for, for hire because I had a full-time job. And um, right. I found that once I finally cut the cord, uh, yeah, suddenly there was a lot more inbound interest. And, uh, I mean, you're experiencing that now. Yeah. It, it feels, uh, I don't know when I was, kind of like going through Twitter DMs and emails, like it feels like, I don't know, like I'm on like the black market or something, you know, like there's all these like <laughs> underground secret kind of like jobs that are out there and available. Yeah. But you only know about them if you're, um, you know, not employed full time or if you can like actively market right. yourself as a consultant. Um, but it just made me think it was kind of funny. Like there's a lot that go that are like promoted just one-on-one -on -one or just within someone's network. And it's crazy how many like consulting gigs are out there that you would never hear about unless you were literally told about them from someone. Yep. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. Um, one of the, the, the last things I wanted to ask you about and kind of get your thoughts on was creating, um, at least for me. And then I don't know if you have any more stuff, but, uh, I wanted to kind of create a, a board of advisors and maybe do like the monthly updates for swipe files one as a kind of accountability mechanism for me um and also to force some reflection which i'm always like you know living like years in the future and thinking ahead and planning and so i need to like look back on hey here's all the things i've done and here's how things are going um but wanted to get your thoughts on i don't know how you started it and what your strategy was and who you invited to or asked to to send updates to yeah you're uh you're touching on a topic that I'm very passionate about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, you know, anyone who's serious about, uh, building businesses or, uh, 
working for themselves or whatever should be doing monthly updates. I found to me, it's like you said, it's an incredible tool for accountability, but also for reflection. Uh, because week to week, like you experienced last week, you can have a really hectic week. You can think that, you know, you didn't really accomplish much, but every time you go back and write a monthly review, you kind of look back and realize, Hey, like I was able to do more this month than if, than, you know, might be top of your mind, uh, when you first sit down to write that. And that's always a good feeling. Uh, and then to build up that archive of, you know, you can go look back three months ago and see all these problems that I had three months ago, like are no longer problems or got mm. solved at some point, uh, or six months ago or a year ago, as you continue to go on. So yeah, I found the benefits of doing that to be really incredible. And the way that I got started with it, uh, a couple years ago, I just started writing monthly reviews for myself. Uh, for a while I was actually doing weekly reviews, but then I switched over to monthly reviews. Um, and that was good. That was a good start, but it wasn't until I started sending them to other people, uh, did it really add that accountability piece to it. Uh, so I started sending them, uh, last, I think last December was the first one I sent out. Really? Wow. And yeah. Yeah. So I just found, uh, you know, I, I reached out to a few friends, uh, other founders, other, um, people in the indie hacker community and was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do this, uh, this monthly update talking about JetBoost and how it's going and maybe some of my consulting work as well. Like, would you be interested in, in reading about it? You don't have to reply. There's no, you know, no expectations whatsoever. I just like want to know that I have to send this to people <laughs> and they might read it and they might not, but, uh, just knowing that was really beneficial. Uh, and then I also reached out to the, I, I reached out to Tyler at Ernest uh, because he had written a blog post about writing monthly reviews and how it's you know beneficial to send it to uh, either your investors or potential investors and uh, other founders. And so I actually reached out to him and uh, I, I had no prior contact with him before that. But he was super nice. He was like, yeah, you know, you can send it to this email address. And uh, that was, you know, I wasn't looking for investment. I just, everything Tyler wrote about kind of resonated with me as far as the earnest capital strategy and, and brand and all of that. Uh, and to his credit, I mean, JetBoost was doing less than 100 MRR at the time and he would take the time to reply to my emails. Mm. Uh, yeah. And to me, that was like, uh, that was just kind of crazy. It was like, here's, you know, someone who uh, I can't even imagine the volume of email and inbound requests that he gets, uh, in any given time. Uh, but he still found the time to reply to me and say, Hey, you know, I, I like what you're doing here. I think maybe here's some ideas for you. Uh, and it, it might only be a couple sentences, but still knowing that, that he did that really meant a lot and uh, kind of spurred me on to to keep going and, and keep doing these reviews. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That, that's been my kind of thinking about it too is um, often too, I, I don't know how many people actually do reply if, or if it's just Tyler and uh, what kind of people reply, but like I do find myself now, especially kind of going on my own, like I, I want those types of people that are like in the know of what I'm thinking about, what I'm working on questions, challenges, uh, even just like having the context so that when I do catch up or when we, when we do get on a call, I don't have to like spill the beans and, you know, get them up to speed on everything. Like at least they have kind of a baseline level of, uh, of knowledge. They can just quickly, you know, read through kind of an update, but yeah, it's good. I, how, how many people do you have on your sort of email list for that, those updates? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's five right now. Oh, okay. I'm actually trying to add a few more people. Um, I added actually added Michelle Hansen last month. Um, she's one of the earnest, uh, earnest mentors and has been really helpful to me personally in other conversations. And uh, so really, it's just kind of anyone that I've admired and uh, 
reached out to, to to see if they'd be interested. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think I'll probably my goal is to try to put together a list of ten ish, maybe fifteen people max to start with, um, and trying to maybe get like a diverse group of people who um, have experience or have familiarity with like a membership site and or no code and or um, a lot of the other things, you know, writing, content producing, that that sort of thing. So. Uh, and then maybe, I don't know, just heroes of mine, people I admire <laughs> who are smart and have uh, good things to say like Tyler. So, um, yeah, that'll be cool. I'm, I'm, I'm actually more excited about it at first. So I was like, oh, should I do it? Should I wait until later? But, um, I'm trying to think like in the future, what would I regret not doing? And I feel like this is one of the things I would maybe regret not starting sooner or earlier. Yeah, I really think everyone should do it. I, I was extremely embarrassed by the very first one I sent out because it was like not a good month for JetBoost. I, I think there was one new customer that month, mm. uh, which was lower than the previous month. And, you know, I, don't know, I was still just starting out, but it kind of kicks you in gear. And uh, even the first few were a little bit embarrassing. I'm sure if I went back and read them now, I'd, <laughs> I'd be uh, hor horrified at some of it. But uh, yeah, you know, and, and you helped, you've helped me a lot too with, you, you tend to reply quite a bit to them. And, uh, one of the things that's really changed the, the business for JetBoost was your suggestion of, uh, the, the automated welcome emails and kind of what that content should look like. And it's really brought me closer to the JetBoost customers to learn about what they're working on and it's, it's my favorite reply to get from anyone is mm. them just telling me what they're working on and what they're hoping to do with JetBoost. And I've learned so much from that one email. Uh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad those are the types of, uh, type of little like kind of nuggets that I'm, I'm mm -hmm. hoping I, I can get in my, my replies as well. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I'm cool. sure you will. Awesome. Well, that's all I got on my list. Anything else? new with you or on your mind? No, that was pretty much it for me. Uh, kind of a fairly standard week, just heads down working. And like I said, trying to this week, reach out to a few more people, um, get the, the new product in front of people and get some feedback. So I'm not just working in this vacuum, which I know is always a disaster. <laughs> uh, and yeah, hopefully have some, some good news next week for you. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I didn't mention it earlier, but I'm as a part of me trying to figure out like my cadence, uh, I've got some, hopefully some exciting updates next week on swap files, content and membership kind of perks and benefits. So, uh, TBD for now, but, um, hopefully I can share more later. Awesome. Cool. All Sounds right. Sounds great. I'm we'll, excited. We'll try to get as many of those kind of links and mentions in the show notes. Um, but you can always go to defaultalive.fm or I think all the show notes, yeah, they show up in your podcast player anyways. Um, but otherwise we'll see you next week. All right. Take care.